0: All right, all right, all right. Hello, 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 and welcome to the Circuit Clouts podcast, the official podcast of United League Baseball, fine purveyors of fake baseball since a year yet to be determined. I am Lance Mueller, and I'm here with. I'm Tim. Hi, I'm Glenn. And with us, we have a special guest this evening, the uh, the GM of the current juggernaut of this uh, UL season, Eric Holtel. Say hello, Eric.
1: Hey, how's it going?
0: All right. So, uh, Glenn, why don't you um, lead us into uh, what we are going to talk about tonight with Eric?
2: Well, um, so, dude, I'm super excited to talk to you and ask you some questions because number one, bro, I love your team, right? And I think, again, it's just awesome to have like a dynasty type team setting the standard and like giving everybody something to shoot for, right? I mean, I just love, it. I think rivalries are great. Dynasty teams are great. So, so I'm, I'm super glad to have you in the league and super glad to be able to chat with you, bro. But I got a long list of questions, but maybe I'll just start with like the, the first one that like intrigues me the most is like how you built your team right? And one thing in particular that I notice, or that I, that uh, is striking about your squad is that all your guys, like your key guys are acquired by trade, right? Craig Robinson, trade, Grieve, trade, some of the pitchers, you go out and get them by trade. But, but what's weird is, I, I don't think of you as a high volume trader, like at all, right? So it's like every year you make like one big trade. So I guess my question is, like, what is your process? Like, do you just target, like, one guy and then save up all your chips and spend them on one guy? Like, or what's your what's your trade theory and what's your, you know, like, how, how do you go about that, I guess is my question. You know, how, how do you go about targeting these guys and selecting these guys and making your move?
1: Yeah, I feel like, well, first off, thanks for having me on. Yeah, pretty much that's it. Um, just thinking about key positions, you know, up the middle, defense, and um, trying to get um, really a superstar at every key position if possible. Um, <laughs> <dude>. <laughs> there
2: you go, that's pretty straight. Okay, I like that.
1: First off, I think when I took on the team, I think it was 1971. I think my first, actually remembering, I think my first trade was like trading away Joe Torrey for some peanuts. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
2: you violated your good players and good positions really. yeah
1: it, then it would i think it think like everyone like instantly called me out and then you're like you can't do that it is like you just started you just took over this team you can't trade away your best the best player in the league
3: uh, he, 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 Joe Joe didn't do anything after 1971 right, <laughs> right, right,
2: if, right
1: there
3: you if, go. if i recall
1: yeah thought yeah. it was, was Frank
2: Tory that's why right. yeah
1: <laughs> Yeah. So and then so I was like, OK, this this is a, that needs to be a lot more because my thought was like, how can I get multiple players for one decent player to like get more diversified? And then I was like, well, that's not a great strategy. Uh, my thought was basically like what hole needs to be filled this year and then like fill that hole with the best player possible for the best deal that i can get and and go and do it one one position per year starting with like the most valuable or like whatever was was whatever was my most glaring hole at the time and then okay so dude so yeah yeah, go ahead and sort of like draft around it yeah
2: the thing that gets me is you're making trades a lot of the times with your rivals right like so you just did this trade where, yes, you acquired the starter you wanted, but and as part of that process, you ended up putting Willie Randolph, arguably the best leadoff guy in the game, on the team of the guy you might well end up facing in the World Series, right? So do you think about that at all, or do you care about that at all? Like, again, what's your thought process there?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I'm just, I have to focus on my team because that's all I can really uh, control. I mean, t- to me, like reevaluating the team at the start of the season was like, well, the the end of the bullpen is really sort of undefined, and or the end of the uh the rotation is a little undefined, and and um you know in in the event of injury, I'm pretty well screwed because if I only have two starting two or three starting pitchers can get me through, um. But I, I don't know I am like sort of like a risk averse, uh, <laughs> like I like to have a lot of depth, uh, and and um, and I feel and I feel like that I'm um, just trying to constantly like do these what if scenarios to see like if if a dude goes down, how am I gonna replace him?
3: Yeah. So the 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 risk aversion point here the one thing that that i've noticed about your your style your gm style is you've been it's like literally almost every sim i have to go in and like update the contracts page because there's been another like 7 year contract <laughs> to some <laughs> other guy that you've signed on these and i i i don't know i think you've done You've kind of exploited that tactic more than any other GM that I can see. So, can you talk a little bit about, about your strategy on that? I know we, I, I know we've talked a little bit about um, your risk aversion translates to arbitration aversion, right? Because <laughs> ar- arbitration is one of the biggest risks there is in this league, right? Is is you a guy that you really want to keep, and then he goes to arbitration, and then um, he ends up breaking the bank. So, can you talk a little bit about your 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 philosophy on that on those long-term contracts
1: yeah i've been burned so many times by by that exact thing where and then i have to like do uh um trading at a loss uh of a key player just to sort of like stay uh afloat um financially uh and i'm just like vowed to myself to pretty much like never do that again like i would rather you know, if I have to, if a guy has a huge ratings hit and he has like five more years left on his contract, I would rather just like trade him away at a loss, uh, than then have to be forced to trade away a guy that is, is still super valuable just to stay under the cap or, or just to like be able to pay the salary, um, in my, in my opinion, it, it works out way better to just, yeah, like lock up, lock up your core. And then I gotta, I gotta focus on pitching somehow. Um, and so I'll just, instead of having the whole offense locked in, I'll just be like filling in at catcher and, um, and third base, um, uh, as best I can over the next few years and then hopefully try to build up some more pitching depth. That's my current strategy.
2: So dude, you can totally see. So, so, okay. So what's interesting about that is there's like tension between the two things you're trying to do, right? Because on the one hand you're like, Oh, I like to have depth at every position. I like to have, you know, a guy nailed down starter, but, but your other on the one hand, but then on the other hand, you're like, yeah, bro, when I see a guy I want, I move for him. And so this is a perfect example where Mm. to get your starter, Right to get Leonard, you traded away like a lot of your depth, like you said. Now you left yourself kind of bare or shallow, like at two positions, right? Just so you could get the starter you wanted. So, that, I mean, that's another one. Or the trade for Grieve, right? Oh, I gave, I got Grieve, but I gave away four, you know, legit blue chip prospects, right? Yep. So yeah, so part yeah. of your
1: yeah, go ahead. That's been my strategy too, is to just sort of like, I will give you my entire draft for this guy. Like, I will, I need this guy, so like, just tell me what it takes.
3: So my, my question then was um, uh, so that plus 155 run differential, like obviously, like the marginal value of that, that 155th run mm-hmm. differential is so minute, right? That you don't you don't need to win every game by two runs. You could win every game by well, even a one game. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, a one run uh, win margin. It, that's that's huge, right? So by historical standards, so my and my question for you is like at what at what point do you consider you basically you arguably have like three of the top offensive players in the league? Um, and there's a lot of teams that would be, um, I mean, even assuming that you, you keep C-Rob and Grieve, you've still got Ollie Brown, you've got Petracell, you've got all these other guys. Um, at what point do you consider, uh, offloading one of them, um, to add pitching depth and, and, or get back some of your, some of your draft picks?
1: No, I think that, you know, the team is so well built for my home stadium that it's just not going to happen. I don't think. I mean, I, I think that, you know, having having five uh, 20 homer guys at the all star break, mm-hmm. uh, it wouldn't happen <laughs> in any other stadium. I don't think
3: <laughs> that's insane. I'm just, <laughs> I, I'm just noticing that now. That's like
1: that's ridiculous. It's like multiplicative too. It's not. It's not. If you take out two of those, two of those five, then all of a sudden I have an average offense. Having five in a row, is is like insurmountable, basically.
3: And I was just gonna say the guys you have above and below those five mashers are hitting at right now three eleven and three oh two. So it's not like there's a. I mean, the only, the one guy on your team who's like that it's either below 20 home runs or under or not hitting 300 is Roy Hall, that's the third baseman. But even if you look at his ratings, he's Still
1: not like half a season.
3: Yeah. He, he's not, he's not horrible. So
1: I figured out that I, um, I need to shed like $10 million, uh, next year. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, and I think I can do that by, by cutting a lot of, uh, scrubs. Uh, and then just like building back at the bare minimum in in the minors for the next until the Garvey contract runs out or until I trade them away, uh, and then I can have a little bit more flexibility. But I, I think there's I about know, I can't the, even afford my draft picks right now anyway. So, right, right. Can, <laughs> that, that's why you trade away the picks. Yeah, yeah
3: exactly. yeah, exactly. I I think there's about thirteen teams that are basically like. Uh, like, like dogs and, and, and running around the table waiting to see what scraps are going to fall off, you know, when, you know, the Manhattan Gray Sox scrubs, like, who's that going to be, you know, like Don Sutton, like what, you know, what does that even mean, uh, to have a, a, a player that's, uh, cut from this team? Cause there's like, like you're saying, there's almost no weaknesses top, top to bottom. So it will be very interesting to see, um, how that evolves. But yeah, it, it, you've managed also in these longer term deals to lock up guys for super reasonable salaries too, right? So that's been, I mean, you have Steve Rogers for 3.8 million. Uh, it's a guy who's won 16 to 18 games a year the last few years. Um, so that's a great, great bargain. So is, is that also part of the strategy of getting of sign these guys Get, get the extensions done really early before they start asking for
1: exactly yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah and yeah and and with somebody like ollie brown i i waited too long and with steve garvey i made that deal three years ago so i was a different person back then <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but um but yeah all the other deals are super reasonable but i was just looking i have 60 million locked in all the way until 1982 so um, dude yeah yes yeah. so wow. that's that's the downside right is that i um i don't have a whole lot of financial flexibility but i can keep trading away my entire draft for a guy making the league minimum who is a superstar yeah yep yep,
3: mm-hmm. yep, yep. And, and also like 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 you said most of these contracts are not other than the ollie brown is the only one that sticks out as like that guy might be overpaid but um everyone else i mean c rob 5.6 i mean come on grieve 5.2
2: yeah the rogers contract is insane dude like three and a half or something for the guys it's superstar he has a stud right right right
3: so um yeah you're set up it looks like i mean it's very clear again you know glenn and i've talked a bit about like You know, you look at some team. I think we talked about this in the inaugural draft episode when we were saying, like, you can just look at a team and you can kind of, you can see the strategy just based on the way the team's constructed, the way the contracts are constructed. I think it's very clear here what you're what you're trying to do, which is just lock these guys down, get them for super cheap, and then just buy and hold, and then just you know, let it let it rip for five or six years and see and, and see where the chips
2: where the chips fall. Well, dude, can I say what I like to is, um, I mean, dude, my, like, I, I get like all excited when I hear someone say, oh, my team perfectly fits my ballpark, right? Because like, I mean, dude, that's what you're supposed to do, right? And so, dude, your team is like the perfect example of that. And so, but so you see it in the hitters, like you said, oh, I got all these guys with eight, seven or eight power or more and, and you know, five guys with 20 or more homers. But dude, you also do it on the pitching side, right? Because I would say, next to me maybe, you're the guy who goes after movement more than any other person in the league, I would say. So if I look at your pitching staff, every single guy is like eight or nine movement. So clearly I'm, I'm assuming that's intentional and that's a response to the fact that your park promotes homers. So you're trying to address that, okay. right?
1: Yeah, basically it's like I get all the homers and you don't get any. in the <laughs> Right. I mean, that's as simple as that. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
3: oh, oh, that's how it works. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah.
2: <laughs> but I mean dude, you I mean again, say it's simplistic, but but it works, dude. I mean, we're talking about the best team in the league. I mean, it's that easy. I mean, yeah, you you
3: have uh, 152 home runs at the break. The next most is surprisingly LA with 93. So you've got what is that? It's a 60 home run margin and you're on pace for over 300 and, and you set the home run record last year, right? With Mm -hmm. what did you have last year it was it was only two something 230 or something um so i mean you're you're easily on pace to break that and then home runs allowed you've given up 80 80. so you've hit you've hit 152 and you've given up 80 so that's yeah it's pretty good one right pretty good ratio
1: yeah
2: I, i think before i called you a professional like you obviously know what you're doing so this can't be the only league you've ever it's not like you play OOTP once every five years, right? So so clearly you've got some skills and some experience. So dude, can you just tell real quick like kind of like what other leagues you play in or how many other leagues or how long you've been playing?
1: Sure. I think I started um version seven or eight. So what's about ten a little over ten years, maybe? Is that right? hmm Yeah.
2: Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah
1: seems like a long time <laughs> yeah uh, but yeah it was, it, was, it was in let's say 2007 2008 yeah some, somewhere around then um and i just played i played solo for a long time um and then and then i think this league was my first online league uh, dude that's awesome uh but then you know uh then i quickly joined you know, like two or three leagues well what else you got
2: dude. Any other stories or theories you wanted to share or tell, or mm. questions you want to ask, dude? Throw yeah, down the gauntlet I, to the
1: league. Like,
2: like I was, I was... <laughs> throw down the gauntlet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean he's uh, already yeah. done
3: that. Come on, dude. He's 60.
2: He's sixty. Well, throw down it's the metaphorical, gauntlet, you know, the verbal gauntlet, you know. <laughs> Call people
3: out, know,
1: I like the my the best part about this league is the storytelling I think that this is this is this is the only league I'm in that's like super focused on on the narrative and I really like that part of it and um I think Tim and I were talking earlier today about like what are some what are some like quirks we can throw in (laughs) the in the upcoming seasons to like to like throw a wrench in the like Maybe like, maybe there'll be like a player strike or maybe there'll be like another world war or something. Exactly, Uh, dude.
2: Korean war draft. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, That stuff is interesting to me. Like alternative history stuff, which is what this league is all about. Um, um, Yeah. And we did mention that,
3: that uh, C-Rob is, is a little pissed off about his contract. So he might be, he might be the UL's uh, Kurt Flood or the, you know, he could he could be leading some kind of labor strife in in the years ahead.
2: No, mm. <laughs> that's fighting words, Jack.
3: Fighting <laughs> words, yeah. Uh, he'd be the guy to do it,
1: you know. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah.
3: <laughs> I mean, he's got clearly got the charisma. Part. He's got the face. He is the face of the league.
1: Well, yeah, <laughs> he has a, a, like extreme, a, a, extremely like gruff persona too. If you look at his baseball card. But
3: actually, looked at I looked him up because uh, I I I, I, don't know, I I think we when we had the states league, didn't we? Had some guy, we had some idea uh, of of calling, you know, trying to contact one of these old timers and saying, "Hey, do you know that like you're the greatest player in baseball?" in in, in some alternate universe, like, I wonder what this guy would say. He's probably like seventy five years old. He'd probably get <laughs> up. who are you?
1: You're gonna like go to his house or something?
3: Yeah. Well, no. Well, that would be a little. <laughs> Creepy, but uh, i to track him down somehow. You know, maybe well, they wouldn't great. put it past you. Yeah. Maybe we'll get him on the podcast sometime. That'd be pretty
1: cool. That would be amazing. That would be incredible. Now
2: you're talking, dude. You yeah. got a
1: you got a ten out of ten contact, and you you've hit uh, fifty home runs in five straight seasons. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. <laughs> tell us about your
3: yeah. What we should do is have him on and like not. Don't even tell him about the fake baseball. Yeah. Just ask him. So it? tell us tell us That's about Tell us about your triple crown year in 1976. And yeah, like, how
1: was that th- that 390? Uh, <laughs> yeah. He's like George Brett. <laughs> George Brett was J- Reggie Jackson.
3: <laughs> yeah, right. Oh my God. Yeah, he's he's basically Rogers uh, Rogers Hornsby. Yeah. You know? <laughs> uh, yeah. He's like, what the what triple crown? You kids like get off my lawn.
2: Like, <laughs> God, dude, that would be so worth it, dude. Uh,
3: yeah. Oh, well, we'll have to we'll look into that. We'll see what we can come up with. So. Uh,
2: you gotta make that happen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Eric, thanks for, uh, thanks
3: for coming on. Thanks for sharing your time with us. Uh, it's super interesting to talk with you. Uh, and, uh, hopefully we can do some more of these in the future, like have some other GMs come on. We got to get vase on, um, and, uh, have him talk about LA. Um, um but it'd be, it'd, it'd be super cool just to hear from other teams too. Uh, not, not just necessarily like the division leaders, but some of the other, uh, GMs to see what's going on. Um, um, One thing I should point out is we keep talking about the Gray Sox as a, as a dynasty and clearly they're a juggernaut this year, but I don't know. I feel like some of this talk is a little premature because I mean, you've had the last three years, you won 89, 88 and 90 games. um, Made the playoffs all three years, but you know none of those seasons like uh, really jumps out and there's two or three other teams in the league who have done pretty much just that right san francisco la um, are are, are jump to mind so i mean by all accounts it looks like you're poised to be a dynasty but you know we never it it's we never know what's going to happen in this league right
1: yeah and also i didn't manage the team last year
3: <laughs> that's
1: right that's right uh, well i have not right. that's that's true i have not yet won a title in this that's, league yeah that's exactly right
2: we, we have an asterisk it says "total" with an <laughs> asterisk or it actually says quintinoli with an asterisk yeah
3: right right yeah all right well again thanks eric for coming on and uh you know we'll, we're looking forward to seeing what this team can do in the in the second half if you can get that uh single season win record if C-Rob can get the home run record and it's going to be super fun to see them in, in the playoffs and see what happens.
1: Thanks for having me on.
2: Yep, absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, good stuff. Thanks, man.
0: All right. Thank you again to Eric for joining us and talking about uh, the Manhattan. Uh, Kamish, uh, what are we going to move on to now?
3: So we're going to talk a bit about the all-star rosters and then use that as kind of a launching off point to talk about uh, kind of a, a cursory look at the first half and kind of like the biggest surprises, biggest disappointments. Uh, but we'll do that through the lens of the all-star team. So I thought we would start in the East division and we'll kind of go through team by team based on um, the number of all-star selections. So, and and then we can talk a little bit about each team or, you know, whatever comes to mind um, as we go, as we go through them. So we'll start in the East, then we'll go to the West so in the East, not surprisingly, Manhattan, actually a good starting point, so if you just talk to Eric, he's got six All-Stars. Um, I'll just run through them. Uh, only one pitcher, Steve Rogers. And then he's got... Uh, you know, he was talking about up the middle. He's got second baseman, shortstop, and then all three of his outfielders are on the All-Star roster. Craig Robinson, Rico Petricelli, Tom Greve, Gorman Thomas, and Ollie Brown. So, um, Glenn, any thoughts on uh, Manhattan? Are you surprised they only had six All-Stars or a team with 16 I am, wins.
2: because I think Sutton, I mean, to me, Sutton should be in, dude. His wins above replacement, his wars, two and a half. That's, you know, half, you know, that's half a game higher than Rogers, who made it. Um,
3: yeah, I, if I had a theory, it would be that the, whatever the game engine uses to pick All-Stars, it's using traditional stats, namely win-loss record. And you have Steve Rogers sitting here at thirteen and one, yeah, so it's that's, It's kind of hard, and with a three nineteen ERA, also it's kind of hard to deny that guy um, with a thirteen and, and one record. Um, pretty, pretty ridiculous.
2: I'm not saying deny him. I'm saying take Sutton too, right? Yeah. That's right. Done.
3: Yeah. yeah. Absolutely right. Um, Lance, any thoughts? Do you want to jump in here on Manhattan?
0: I have zero thoughts. <laughs>
3: Okay, <laughs> so let's move on. So Boston, okay. So I'm I'm am I'm switching back to the standings here to see Boston, the fifth place team in the East, tied for Manhattan with the most All Stars with six. Unlike Manhattan, they have they're just the, they're basically the flipped version. They have five pitchers and only one position player. Sixto Lescano, right fielder, is the only batter. You've got basically four fifths of your rotation. Rick Russell, Burt Blylevin, who had a bit of a boo-boo uh, last sim, uh, Ken Holtzman and Dick Tidrow, and then Bruce Sutter, who has been the bane of your team's uh, first half, gets the nod, a relief pitcher. Glenn, you want to talk? You want to talk a little bit about Boston's All-Stars selections?
2: Well, uh, there. Okay, so yeah, right. My team's record is terrible. But if you look at run differential, if you mm-hmm. look at Pythagorean record, which probably probably runs off run differential, yeah. if you look at wins above replacement, right? I mean, like, I mean, dude, yeah, my yeah. staff should be in there on a war basis. All four of those guys are like in the top fifteen in the league, right? I mean, so it's ridiculous. But, but again, my team has a horrible record, and I think. I mean, the only way I can explain it is it's all down to one guy, and that guy is Bruce freaking Suter, who's one and six, and his save percentage is 850. And that's even high because he'll get credit for, like, holds and things where he he, he gives up the tying run. My entire theory is once you get the lead, you have to hold the lead, so I always want the best bullpen. And here I had what I thought was the best in this bullpen, yeah. and it actually turned out to be just a piece of shit. So, right. Well, so maybe, the fact that Suter is in is just preposterous to me. Right, I mean, right. it's it's insulting.
3: Well, maybe somebody should tell that theory to Bruce Suter. Yeah.
2: Exactly, exactly.
3: Right. So
0: I mean, I mean, but Glenn, you're saying so basically, you're saying that Bruce's save percentage at eighty five percent is poor, but actually, if you look across the league at other closers, that's actually a little bit above average. It's well,
2: hard. okay, yeah, all right. I'm that's sorry, save percent.
0: I mean, the losses are one thing, but actual save percent—that's that's a, that's a different—that's a different measure. Eighty-five percent is actually towards the top of closers in the league.
2: Well, to your point, Lancey, it could be I'm not using him properly. So that's another. Like maybe I. But again, I don't understand how. I, yeah, so maybe I'm not using him properly, but nonetheless, I don't expect him to, you know, give up runs and yeah. give up leads and 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 put you know put his team behind like again it's ridiculous like it's the only way i can make sense of my team's kind of like yeah. underlying numbers versus their actual record so i mean it's hard to say it's down to one guy but it seems like it's down to
0: one guy right well, it's good also, to have a, also good to a, have a scapegoat yeah <laughs> always good to have a scapegoat um and also let's give a little bit of credit to uh, cleveland and detroit for uh, russell and holton before they actually came over to boston as well so that's right that's right good call they could be wearing yeah. those hats as well. Maybe they'll wear the hat and uh, of one team in the uh, the the uh, uni of another team.
3: There you go. Yeah. There, there you, you go. go. Um, okay. So let's move on down the list. We've got Montreal uh, with five All Stars. Montreal is sitting at third place. Uh, well, technically they're tied with Washington. They just dropped out of the playoff zone by literally percentage points. They have a five forty two win percentage. Washington's five forty three. So um, basically they're right up there, right in the mix, the top five or six teams. Their five all-stars are – their two starting pitchers are Doc Ellis, Bill Singer, and then, again, strength up the middle, catcher Gary Carter, second base Bobby Gritch, center field Rich Coggins. So um, that that's interesting. Another team that looks – if again, if you're just judging it by the all-stars, looks like a strong team up the middle. It'll be good to have Joe on the podcast at some point to talk about uh Montreal so any thoughts on those selections any omissions or surprises there
2: I wouldn't say surprises I would say the opposite dude Lance I think I listened back to the preseason uh you know, our preseason predictions and for Montreal Lance is like oh this, this guy's bullpen's terrible he's going to struggle in games that aren't started by Singer and Ellis and indeed if you look yeah. at the starters they're like well whatever one or two and his bullpen is like you know 12 13 14 right so I would say that one, Lancey nailed that one.
0: Hey, one for me. And also,
2: it's because his closer, has been injured almost the entire season. Also, we should say that. So, so it's injuries too.
0: But yeah, I had nothing to do with that. <laughs>
3: right, <laughs> right, yeah, right. Uh, yeah, I think one. Uh, I think that's exactly right. He's second in uh, starters' ERA, at, but twelfth in bullpen. Um, but I think Floyd. I mean, Floyd Bannister has been uh, pretty effective. Right, I mean, he's not been great. His, his whip is 1.47, um, but I mean, the guy's got 10 wins, so he's you know clearly getting the job done, done. Singer and Ellis have nine wins each, so Rooker has nine wins, so he's looking at he's got four guys with nine wins. Um, you know, I mean, that speaks to the offense. He's second in the league in, in runs scored. He's got Grich and Andre Thornton sitting on 15, and then Carter at 13, and then there's no one else in double digits, so. It's kind of a very balanced offense. A lot of average or just slightly above average hitters, but somehow they're, they're getting the runs scored.
2: I think, I think Bobby Gritch, like a lot of the team's fortunes go as Bobby Gritch goes because um, he's had like probably 900 OPS this year, and they're scoring you know, their number two in runs scored last year. And this is goes maybe a bigger discussion about ratings. Yeah, same yeah. exact ratings. He produced like, like shit. You not like five hundred OPS. Six
3: seventy five. OPS. OPS. Yeah. He
2: two thirty seven. And then yeah. look at two years ago. Yeah, two nine years ago he was also ago,
3: he over nine
2: hundred.
3: Yeah, two RBIs. He had three twenty six. So yeah. Yeah.
2: So so exact same ratings, dude. I mean, so it's amazing. Like the performance variation you can get. And so um, anyway, yeah. So I feel like. I feel like, again, his up the middle is so strong. Coggins is, you know, I I think I said uh, Willie Randolph was the best leadoff guy in the league. It's between Willie Randolph and Coggins. I mean, Coggins is friggin' amazing. That guy's awesome.
3: All right, let's move on. So uh, next is Detroit. Um, They are currently sitting on the worst record in the league, but they do have four All-Stars, which is more than one, two, three, four, five, six teams. So that's something. Uh, that's that's going right. He's got four. He's got uh, Tippy Martinez, the relief pitcher, and then he's got the catcher, Brian Downing, and the corner outfielders, Mitchell Page and Otto Valise. So um, I'm flipping now to Detroit to see what's going on here. This is a team that is tied for ninth in runs scored and dead last mm-hmm. in uh, runs against. So, Glenn, your thoughts on... Detroit
2: well it's funny Uh, if again I had just listened to the preseason uh preview and you said with respect to Boston oh I I look at this team and I would say there's three or four players that'll stay and every other player on the entire uh, on the you know major league roster will graduate out Mm -hmm. that's actually descriptive of Detroit yeah because he has four studs and all four of them are these guys (laughs) you're looking at and I would say virtually no other player on his major league roster is going to be there in two years.
3: Okay. Let's move on. So Cleveland uh, is sitting in next to last place. He's got three all-stars, Frank Reberger, the starting pitcher, Cecil Cooper, first base, uh, who I think he's trying to sign to a long-term contract. And then this was a surprise for me. uh, And actually this is probably the biggest of, of all the players we've talked about so far. Uh, third baseman Dave Kingman gets the nod uh, uh, to the All-Star game. So um, Kingman, just for context, uh, is hitting two sixty one up from last year's .188. Um, yeah. And he does have 19 homers, 47 RBIs. He's slugging five fourteen. So he has been one of the more consistent uh, offensive produ- producers on the team.
2: Dude, Kingman, I wanted to talk about Kingman in the context of a Another guy later on, Gary uh, Thomason from L.A. Those are both guys that have like four or five contact. And so, you know, Lance is always saying don't have a starter that has three stuff. I say don't have a position player that has four contact like that's Mm -hmm. that's below the line to me. And I even think five contact is like that's marginable or or that's marginal. And I know that's debatable Mm -hmm. because. There are plenty of examples of guys with five contact, and again, depending on your park yeah. where you can that can work, but to me, yeah like even that is like below where I feel comfortable so <clears throat> so it's amazing Kingman and Thomas and both are they have great other stats outside of contact, like you said, Kingman has the nine power, and when when it works, I mean they can produce like they are producing and they're producing. Yeah. A all-star level and it's great but to me the volatility and performance is too much and i don't you know i can't take those guys on myself but
3: yeah but no, um that's anyways. exactly it kingman has a five contact he's a career two, 231 hitter um so i think by all measures it seems like he's having a career year right now at 261 yep. at 30 points yep. above his average but if, again if you look back at um I guess he only had a partial season with Cleveland in '75, but he hit 190, and then he hit 188. So we're talking about over, over close to 600 plate appearances. The dude hit like 189. So yep. that's gonna hurt no matter uh, no matter what your power numbers are. So, but yeah, it, it seems like um, he's getting it done this year. Um, all right, let's move on. So next is Washington, um, maybe one of the surprise. I, again, I don't have the our, our preseason thing right in front of us, but Washington. Um, well, I was going to say they're underperforming, but they they have shot up in the last uh, in the recent uh, sim. They were seven seven and three in their last ten games, so they are actually sitting in fourth place right now. But surprisingly, only three All Stars they've got starter Don Wilson, reliever Mitt. Milt Wilcox, and then Eric Soderholm at third base. There's another reliever on the scene that probably could have got consideration. That's uh, Randy Moffitt. He's got a yeah. 1.8 ERA awesome. in 35 innings, um, yeah. uh, 1.11 whip, so pretty solid.
0: Yeah, Soderholm looks like a little bit of a an interesting selection just to just look at a straight kind of numbers. He just seems like a pretty... Uh, average third baseman. I mean, he's got 14 home runs, but 34 RBIs. I mean, his his o, his uh, OPS is like, you know, 767. It's barely over kind of what I would consider yeah. like an average player at 750. I mean, his war is 2.1, which is obviously really nice. Maybe that's what he got in on. Um, but yeah. I don't know. He seems like a little bit of a, yeah, okay, maybe, you know not the greatest choice for the all-star game necessarily. I mean, course, I don't know what the depth of third base in the East is. So that might also yeah. be part of it. It's t- I, exactly. dude.
2: I'm, yeah. I'm looking it's right
0: t- now cool.
3: and it's really, it's Mike Schmidt and then, and then everyone else basically. Yeah. And that's, so I mean, look that's, at King, like,
2: that's how Kingman gets in. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. yeah.
3: Cause the other guys are, uh, Sal, let's see, uh, Don money. Nope. He's on Chicago. So here's all the third basemen have moved to the West. I think is, uh, uh all, all the better third baseman like Nettles and, uh, uh even Daryl, Daryl Evans, San Francisco. Right. Um, uh,
2: yeah, he, he's really good. George Brett,
3: uh, Montreal. Like he didn't, he was not a selection. Was he? Um, he's not having yeah. a great year, but, um, no, he's
2: not very good. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, I mean, he's okay.
3: Yeah. Okay. And then speaking of Mike Schmidt, that's our last, uh, Brooklyn. Um, actually, if you look at, uh, if you look at, you know, win-loss record versus number of All-Stars, uh, Brooklyn clearly got screwed. Only one All-Star. Mike Schmidt is their one and only All-Star selection. Um, but again, if you look at his roster, he's Mike Schmidt's got 22 home runs. Nobody else has more than seven. Um,
2: uh, so he's he's kind of I mean, like, he got
0: screwed. Yeah, wait a minute. Yeah, I think he wanted to bring this up then, right? I'm just looking now. Yeah, Joe Sambito. Creative, but... Joe Sambito, which yeah, yeah, that's 22 saves and a 113 yeah. ERA. How's that yeah. guy not on the All Star right. game? Yeah, also Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah,
2: yeah that's I think the big, biggest, yeah. biggest
3: slight by far. Yeah, I think uh, we're pretty much unanimous in that. That guy has um, not only does he have 22 saves, he's um, he's got a 22 uh, a 22 game save streak. He's not even given up. Well, exactly. um, He's converted every single opportunity. He's only given up uh, runs in two of his uh, 28 appearances. So you're talking about 26 times a guy comes in, does not allow a run. One thing we should point out is is he did add Ken Singleton, um, and, and Singleton's batting fifth in his lineup and has been doing quite well with a 390 uh, on base. Um, so it's a guy who actually... Um, could be a, a solid leadoff man. And he's a switch hitter, so that was, I think that was a good acquisition. Okay, so that wraps up the East. So we'll move to the West Division now where um, this was a shocker to me, 10 All-Stars. I don't think we've seen that before. I know in years past, we've had teams with seven and eight All-Stars. I don't remember um, a team sending 10 All-Stars to the to the All-Star game. There's That's basically more than a third of the roster. I think there's 27 or 28 on the roster, depending on which division you're looking at. So I'll run through these real quick. Uh, He's got three starting pitchers, Durker, Hooten, Peterson, uh, the top three that you'd expect. Uh, Goose Gossage, the relief pitcher. And then five, six hitters. We've got Butch Weininger, catcher, newly acquired Willie Randolph at second base, Sal Bando at third, and then the outfield of Dave Winfield, Gary Thomason, and George Borda. So, um Glenn, where do you start with with LA? Is ten do they deserve ten all stars? Is that a bit high? No Or, way, or is it totally they're, deserving? No, they're
2: that good. Yeah, they're that good, bro. I mean, who are you gonna not take? Dirk or Peterson Hooten? I mean, those guys are studs. I, would, okay. I would drop uh Sal Bando. I, okay, Bando, but again, third base isn't the Greatest position, like you said, Nettles and uh, and Evans. So yeah, maybe you don't need three. Yeah, maybe you don't need three third basemen.
0: Now, let's uh, let's take a little moment again give a little love to um, Cleveland and to Denver for the two of these All Stars for Hooten and Randolph who <laughs> moved over in yeah. uh, recent trades. So you know,
1: without right, yeah. you know, you'd be, yep. you'd,
0: at that point you're at eight if you if those guys stay on their original team. So maybe that's a little bit back to. Uh, a lot, but you know, closer to normal or expectation.
3: No, that's a very, very good point. Okay, so next on the list is uh, St. Louis. This is a team that was kind of in that dog, cat, and bird fight at the top of the West for a while, and they faded more recently, and now they're sitting six and a half games back. But St. Louis has five All-Stars. Uh, the starter, Bill Parsons, who's been who's emerged as uh, easily their best starting pitcher uh, again, thanks to uh, the Chicago Colts for uh, trading Parsons. Um, that was before the season started, I believe. You're welcome. Um, yep. Yeah. Uh, relief pitcher Willie Hernandez, who I think is a rookie. Yes. And then, here. and then you got uh, Daryl Porter, catcher Craig Nettles, third base, and Reggie Jackson. To me, that's a surprise. Reggie Jackson. Uh, getting in again to me, that's kind of in the mold of uh, of Kingman, of um, kind of a guy that's just mashing home runs. In fact, very similar numbers: two sixty-two uh, batting average, twenty home runs, forty-seven RBIs. Um, thoughts on the St. Louis Maroons?
2: I mean, I think the fact that you send five guys when your top two starters have been injured for a significant portion of the season is is really yeah. good. So. So, so I say more power to him for hanging in there.
3: Um, yeah. Matt Larsons
2: is totally again. Yeah. yeah go ahead. I was going to
3: say Matlack was clearly, uh, I think and we, we tapped him as a potential Cy Young guy. And when he yeah, came up awesome. in, in his, the seven starts he did have before the injury, he was four and one with a 1.4 ERA. So he racked up two point yeah. two point zero war in seven starts, which is, that's, that's pretty damn good. So one good thing. That's for, awesome. Yeah, um, one thing about St. Louis's pitching injuries, both Matlack and Medich, is they're both they're, they're both coming back um, by the middle of July. So he's going to get almost most of the second half will have, uh, or she'll have. Joanna will have those those two starters back. And right now they're only one game out of uh, the playoff spots. So this this you know once they get those two guys back, this is another team that. Um, I'd say look out, look out, look out Denver in particular because uh, yeah. uh, I think Denver's been overperforming. St. Louis has been, if anything, maybe they're maybe they're performing about where they should be, but you know you get back Matlack and Medich in the second half. Um, they're going to definitely be competitive down the stretch. I think. Okay, the next team in the West is Denver with four All Stars. Um, Grant Jackson, by the way, is one of the four All-Stars. He's a case in point of just a freak. Um, uh, Talk about a guy being in the right place at the right time. His ERA is 3.86, which is not great. But the dude's 11-0 with 11 saves. So, like, he's never been...
2: Oh, my God. 22 games.
3: He's either gotten a win or a save, and he has zero losses. So... um, yeah, that's, that's just obviously not sustainable. Um, I'll just run through the other All-Stars here. Another rookie, first baseman, Eddie Murray, uh, Rick Bros in the shortstop, and then Roy Foster in left field. Um, I'm looking at my roster. I don't really see anyone else that's really deserving of an All-Star spot, except maybe, possibly Johnny Bench. Um, is it 315? it's 850 OPS and a 2.3 war. Um, but again, this is, I don't really know the other, haven't looked at the other, the other catchers we've got Daryl Porter and Butch Weiniger are the other catchers. So is he better than Daryl Porter and Butch Weiniger uh, this year I'd say he's not. So that's understandable. Yeah. yeah. So a lot of that is, um, down to who you're, who else is in your division. Um, All right, next up, oh, uh, we got Seattle. Uh, they're fourth in the fourth in the West. Uh, sitting seven games under five hundred. They have four All Stars. They have Wayne Simpson, pitcher. Chris Channels at first base. Rod Carew, no surprise there at all. Second base, and Dave Concepcion, who is injured, but he got the uh, he got the All Star nod. Not only is he injured, he's out for six months with an ACL. But um, yeah, that's terrible. It's a pretty brutal injury. Concepcion was hitting three fifty-one, which is ninety points above his career average. Uh, basically just having a monster year, eight seventy OPS. Um and uh so that that injury hurts uh definitely hurts Seattle, but he was named to the team. Another guy who probably could have got a nod at left field is Benny Ayala. Yes, the, the Benny Ayala, who I called, uh, I notoriously called the worst cleanup hitter in the league. Um, <laughs> right, right. He's leading, leading the team with 53 RBIs.
2: Yeah, I mean, he benefits so much from hitting behind. I mean, that Karoo Chambliss, that's the greatest 2-3, right? Yeah. Right,
3: 395
2: and 365 OBP. Both of them have OPS over 800. They're in scoring position. A lot, so he benefits yeah. massively from him buying Yeah, those two yeah. Guys.
3: All right. Next, we have Chicago, Chicago Colts, who are in sixth place and bringing two all-stars, but they're both starting pitchers: Ed Figueroa and Mike Torres. Uh, so Lancey, do you feel slighted? Do you feel like you have players who were left off the all-star team that? That should be there.
0: Mm, I mean, not not particularly. I think that if um, maybe if uh, McAnally could have pitched up to potential for the whole season, he might have had a shot to get on there. Again, I mean, you got Carl Taylor. He's got a two seven WAR. He's had a really good year. But then you look at the rest of the catchers in the in the in the in the, in the West, and you kind of understand why maybe he doesn't make it. But yeah, not not really. I don't really think there's anybody who, who necessarily deserves to be on there over anybody else who made the all-star team. Yeah,
3: you got Kent Ticolvi, uh with 12 saves, 2.82. He's been pretty solid um, uh, coming off the 25 save last year, so he's doing pretty well. Um, but this team has been is 14th in runs scored, so the, the hitting just hasn't been there.
2: No. It's just mind-boggling to me. I mean, this one, other than my own team, this to me is the one that's hardest to figure out.
3: Mm-hmm. When Robin Yount is like the the eternal prospect who just never quite emerges.
0: Yeah, like that. yeah, that is. Uh, I mean, I guess the only upside of that is that he, what is this the fourth or fifth year where he's struggled, and yet he's still only twenty years old. So that's, that's not <laughs> either. Yeah. Either he'll struggle yeah. for the rest of his career, and I'll just be grandly disappointed, or at some point he'll finally break out, and he'll be be you know worth the uh the four four stars that he currently carries so the dude's gonna have 1500 at bats before he turns 21 so that's
3: that's pretty crazy
0: yeah basically he's had his minor league career in the major league so yeah,
3: yeah no doubt no doubt definitely um all right i was surprised
0: jim norris didn't make the all-star i'm I'm, i mean you know and i think not enough at bats (laughs) that's a big snub just not enough at bats. (laughs) there you go
2: there you go yeah
0: you you know well, year. whose fault is that, dude. Well, that's, that's completely my yeah. fault. Yeah, oh, there no. you go. All right, just for the
3: record, I'm looking at Jim Norris. Uh, 187 at-bats, so he's gotten a fair amount of playing time. He's hitting two eighty three with uh, seven twenty six OPS. So uh, definitely, I would say, among the top 10 rookies in terms of performance.
2: What's his OBP? Do you have his OBP there?
0: Three fifty seven.
2: Dude, 3-5, is pretty good.
3: Yeah, that's good.
0: Yeah, yeah he's got no power, but that, I knew that when I drafted him. So,
3: yeah. Yeah, He leads the team with four stolen bases, and he's only been caught nine times. So, exactly. I mean,
0: <laughs> there's always an upside to everything. Yeah, you know. He does have five triples, so, you know. Play. Are you serious? Yeah, he's got five triples. He has almost as many triples that's as he nuts. has doubles.
3: You're right. That's crazy. He's a specialist.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
3: All right, so last two teams we have Atlanta um, springing up the rear in the West, 31 and 52. Let's look at Glenn's uh, stats here. We've got Atlanta's 11th in runs, 13th 13th in runs allowed. Their only All Star is left fielder Oscar Gamble. Um, let's see if Oscar Gamble is All Star worthy, or if this is a case where I think the game, I think. The rule is—I know the major league rule is this. I wonder if it's true in OOTP, like every team has to have at least one all-star. Um,
2: I think it must be.
3: Yeah, I, I think so too. Which is not a—a—to a, disrespect Gamble because he—he's pretty—he is one of the few uh, really solid hitters uh, that Atlanta has this year. Dave Parker is at the 320, uh, but again at right field. Um, probably not quite good enough to make the team. Pitching wise I yeah. I don't think oh you there's urea. Oh yeah, that's right. Lance gave fully urea. I remember yeah. that. Yep. Urea. So that, that, yeah. that was a big day.
0: Yeah. Uh decided to keep it 12. to himself. They didn't want to give it to the rest of the West, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah.
3: Right. Um he's been okay, but not great. So I don't know. There's not much to say about Atlantis. It's a team that's like um I feel like they're they they're still in rebuilding mode. Oh, Butch Hobson. We should mention Butch Hobson cuz this guy was rookie of the year last year. He probably was an All-Star last year. 35 homers, 101 RBIs and um his his OPS has dropped about 150 points from 850 to about 700. Um so he's kind of coming back to life. So maybe I don't know, it kind of always felt like last year's rookie of the year season was a bit of a fluke and um but he's still putting up the run production. He's uh Got 49 RBIs, which leads the team. So, but clearly not uh, not quite All Star material. And last but not least, we have San Francisco, who is uh, again tied for fourth in the West, with again a single solitary All Star's third baseman, Daryl Evans, who's hitting 261, with a 768 OPS. Not particularly overwhelming numbers um but again maybe third base is maybe third base is just weak across the league this year that, that, that could be a factor um a couple disappointments here let's see um george foster uh his OPS is 750. Well, that's basically where he's been the last few years, actually. Yeah, I was
2: going to say Foster, to me, is the one guy that you yeah. can say. Because, again, he's like gold-glove caliber center fielder, and he's got a lot of dongs, right? I mean, his average isn't great, but like you yeah. said, his OPS pretty much the same. Right, right. Um, yeah, I would say if there were surprises,
3: it's that there's no no Fergie Jenkins, no Bob Moose. Uh, I think because both of those guys, I believe, have been in All-Star Games in the Jenkins for sure, uh, but he's sitting at a 401 ERA, way way above um, his
2: career average. Yeah, I think it tells the story of the season. I mean that one. I mean that's all you need to know, right? <laughs> when, when like what was the best pitching staff, and a solid all around team produces one count of one All Star. Yeah, that is a right. pretty sad. Story.
3: Yeah. The team ba- bears, team batting bro. and it
2: talks it speaks to the injuries too
3: right yeah yeah, yeah. Um, once this jumps out at me is uh, the team batting average of two forty three that's like ouch that hurts The team on base is three oh four so yes. he's just not not getting any offense at all all right so I think that wraps up there um, the the biggest snub I would j- go on a limb here and say that. I think we unanimously would pick Sambito, uh, the clo- uh, Brooklyn's closer, as like that's kind of like a what what the hell happened there in terms of omissions. <laughs> right, right. Uh, no one else really jumps out at me as uh, you know he, he's. I think that's by far the the clearest snub. Um, any thoughts? Any predictions? Should we? jump to predictions for the second half of the season. We want to do a quick round of who we think going to make the playoffs.
0: Oh,
3: wow. Put you, guys, uh, put you guys on the spot here. Like, uh, who will win the West? I know Glenn's going to say LA.
0: Uh, I'm going to, uh, uh, I'd probably say LA yep. also.
3: Yeah. I, I, I would have to, I would have to agree with that. I, I don't think that, uh, as, uh, as well as Denver has played and you know I've have built the 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 defense has improved quite a bit um, but you know you just look at some of these box scores and you just like what is this like a it's just a ridiculous run of incredible luck. amazing yeah and you know we're enjoying it while we can but I don't expect and you know if I if Denver's in the race at the end I maybe I'll make some moves and try to make a push but again I'm not going to mortgage my future on what I see as kind of a fluky couple of months um, I do think St. Louis still has a shot, uh, they're only six and a half yeah. back. Uh, they're only six behind LA. I think they they should be in the hunt.
0: Right. Um, and again, like you said, Mitch with Matlack, Matlack and Matlack. medic coming back. Think, so that's definitely yeah. gives them a chance to, uh, take a shot yeah. at it or at least at the very least to be one of the top four. So.
3: Right. Right. And then, uh, in the east, so we're basically you're totally talking about second place in the East, right? So right now you've got Washington, Montreal, and then Brooklyn sitting about four games back. Which of those three teams do you guys see gonna be merging as like you know, second place or getting a wild card spot?
0: Oof, Glenn, you want to take that first? <laughs> so I shouldn't say Boston. Uh, no, um, no, yeah, say well, Boston. I, I think if you, if you Yeah,
2: you <laughs> could say Boston. There's seven games back. Um, well, yeah, but again, I mean, my kind of to your thing, it's like, can your, can your bad luck kind of even out or come back to you? Or are you just like, you just have to deal with it for a season. So, right. Right. So that's a decision I'm trying to make there. So,
3: well, um, well it, again, it, the thing it,
2: about the, yeah, go ahead.
3: Yeah. I was going to say even more, like, even if Boston gets hot, you've got to count on the three teams yep. above you all kind of like faltering at the same time. Right. So that definitely complicates things.
2: Exactly. And more than that, I would even say all three of those teams get back a stud Joe Torrey. You're adding back right mm-hmm. to, to Washington, the closer Grife, you're adding back to Montreal and Fred Lynn. You're adding back to Brooklyn for the last half of the season. Yeah. yeah. Thing, right. So right. basically they played the first half without, you know, some of their best players and you get to add those guys back so so i think i could see all three of them improve um i mean i think i said at the beginning well, I, yeah i said at the beginning it's washington i still mm-hmm. think that's true when you're first and runs allowed i mean we've already established right like being hard to score on makes you you know gives you a good shot at the playoffs and then and now you're adding tory to that lineup i mean so i i think he's again i would still make him the favorite there i don't think i'm totally out of it but i mean i again ev- everybody in front of me is going to get better too, too so
3: yeah, I yeah I think it's going to be really close. I think um, I, I I'm not necessarily counting Brooklyn out. I know they've got they've the, they the weak, weakest uh, pitching staff of those contending teams, but I think their offense is again with Lynn coming back and they've got Schmidt Hernandez. We haven't even talked about Keith Hernandez, Dave Cash. Uh, he's added Singleton, so this is a team that I think. Oh, and of course Sambito, right? You give this guy. If they're ahead in the seventh or eighth, they're going to win the game. So, I think Brooklyn's going to be in there at the at the end. But I I would go for I think Montreal is going to eke out second place here. Um, I think they get Greif back. They're uh, they've got Singer and Ellis. I, I I like the balance of this team. They seem to have um, um good a couple of really really good starters. Um, you know, a decent but not great bullpen. But then but then the the offense is. Uh, is, is pretty balanced. They've got some power, some on base guys, Coggins leading off. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting. I think uh, it, it, one of these three teams, I think will get a wild card. I don't see both wild cards coming out of the West. I think we'll see one in the East, one in the West. And if I had to, if I had to pick, I would say St. Louis in the West, Montreal in the East with LA and Manhattan winning the divisions. That, that'd be my guess.
2: I, I think you're going to have three East teams, bro.
3: You think so? Yeah,
2: yeah. That, could, yeah. yeah that could very well I think well so. Happen. I, mean, I, I yeah. mean, again, St. Louis, dude, if you add back, I mean, you're adding back your top two starters. So, so yeah, but, dude, I still can't believe, believe I'm flabbergasted. So, again, actually, I'm flabbergasted by all three of our teams or Joanna's team here. The fact that they can't score more, I mean, Reggie Jackson is – mashing again tailor-made for that park right mumphrey great leadoff hitter and the fact they're ninth and runs and run differentials like essentially zero i mean i don't get it dude so, what so you, yeah. you said three east teams anyway. you you're, you're i think three east teams i say manhattan washington and one of the chasing three but montreal, yeah
3: well, Brooklyn I, I mean West.
2: i'd be with you on montreal but but yeah. I, I would even and again i wouldn't put boston out of it depending on how crazy i want to get
3: Right, right. Well, those are the three who made it last year were Manhattan, Washington, and Brooklyn. Okay, well, I think we'll uh, we'll wrap it up there. So that's our uh, All-Star Game preview slash first half review. And uh, we'll come up with a topic for the next episode and we'll see everyone next time.
0: Yeah, and again, let's uh, thank uh, Eric for being with us in this episode and... Um... Yeah. Until we have the next topic in that next uh, podcast, here is to fake baseball.